Hey guys, today's episode, we're bringing on Ivan Tandio, who is the director and founder of The Eleventh Space. The Eleventh Space is pretty much a hub for young entrepreneurs to be mentored, to grow, and a place for them to do business. Now, Ivan has a very inspirational story, uh, a lot of uh, learnings from his own personal journey that we can learn from. So if you're looking to venture out into starting a new business, scaling your existing business, or learning more about your options in your career, this podcast is the perfect one for you. So I hope you enjoy it. That's fine. So first of all, thanks for coming, Go. I really appreciate it. Um, which we, we really are trying um, to expand the podcast. And I feel like we're trying to get um, people who have walked the walk, you know, entrepreneurs who have come, who have learned from their mistakes and who are continuing to, you know, evolve, help the next generation of people. And I thought that you would be perfect. Uh, the perfect guess. So, yeah. So, first of all, I just want to ask, so how did you get started in business school? I know you went to uni here, right? I went to uni here. You went so, to uni here? Yeah. Right so, after high school in Singapore. Yeah. So, I went, I went to Australia uh, to do foundations in mm. Melbourne. Uh, yes. I, I did Trinity Foundation and then I went to RMIT after that. Mm. Yeah. What, what was the plan for you to go back home after or...? Uh, the, the initial plan was for me to study in Australia and come back home to Indonesia, help out my my fathers and you know my uncle started a he he started uh, not started he owned uh, a mega business in Indonesia, and I was supposed to be part of it. You know, it's um he's a very successful man. He initially I was my my eyes was fixed on that. I want to do that and yeah, really want to be a part of it because it's fun. It's a, it's a public company. So when you first came to Australia, yes. the plan was to stay here or go home and to your parents' business or what was the plan? To be honest, when I was young, I had no plans. I'm the kind of guy who YOLO, you know, before they invented, invented that words, even I, I, I was so YOLO. I didn't have any plan because my, my, uh, my nature, I, was, I wanted to become in the part of like entertainment. I, was, I want to be in the band. I want to be, in the want music. To be a musician. Yeah, the music, not just musician, but more like in the entertainment industries. So I like to make movies. I liked I when I was young. I remember ma I'm making indie a few indie movies and stuff so like. So a bit like a Co Edwin then, right? A bit like Co Edwin, but I do more on the presenting. So I'm, I'm a presenter. So I was a presenter for. I was an MC. Uh, my side job was doing MC every weekends uh, on parties, uh, wedding. I don't know how many. Thousand have done that during schools and all that. Um, music, composing, I write songs. So you songs. were a wedding MC. I was a wedding MC oh, for that. many, many years, wow. and presenters as well. So every time there's a, I host events like party, big parties, and whatever uni parties, whatever they they ask me to become the host, you know. And um, that was my passions. And I wanted to be my ultimate goal. Last time was very simple. I want to become the MTV VJ. MTV video jockey. That's it. Yeah. Back then. Back then, Joe. Back yeah, yeah, yeah. How old were you then? Well, I was, I had that when I studied in Singapore during high school, um, MTV based in Singapore. So I really, really want to work for MTV, uh, for the music industries as a presenter, music presenter, video jockey and all that. Um, yeah, it grown to me. Uh, so during uni, I wasn't really serious. My, my, the pressure from my parents was to do business. So I just do it by, because of the pressure. 
Uh, actually, my mind was somewhere somewhere else. I was just in the gig every weekend. I was just on a, on a show. I was just in the band. I was just presenting, doing MCs and stuff like that. Really focused. Um, so you asked me about the plan. There wasn't any plan but that. But then I received pressure from my family. No, every Asian good boy must be become a businessman. <laughs> you, you came from a business family. Your parents? Yes, business family. My yeah, my uncle. Uh, well, my god uncle. At least um, he. He founded a, a, a company now who's grown massively. They're a billion dollars company now. They, they were like number 25 biggest company in Indonesia. And he's a billionaire now. So it's amazing. He started from zero. So I was, I was quite inspired by that. But I never want to be that, you know, yeah. in a way. So, but then I studied economy. <laughs> I, did, I did finance here and banking. That was in here? In uni, in RMIT. Sure. So, and in the back of my mind, in, in the back of my mind, I knew that I might not be able to become a part of the entertainment industries. Mm -hmm. So, and then I thought, uh, okay, if I can't get that, probably I just went back home to Indonesia. At least I got my, a proper job with my family, work for my dad or work for my uncle and things like that. Uh, so there was just a plan coming back. My uncle keeps saying, come help me. And my dad says, okay, come and help us and all that. But then things change. So. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, instead of going back to Indonesia when you graduated, I know you opened Kimchi Grandma, right? Is that the name of the place? Yes, yes. Yeah. Kimchi yeah. So what was, the, what was the inspiration behind doing that venture? That's your first, right? That was, no. The first one was Crown. We okay. did not Crown Casino, but Crown Cafe. It was a small cafe that we bought. Um, let me just rewind it back a little bit. Because mm. before I do that, um, I, I didn't do well in my uni, obviously, because mm. I, was, I, was, I was doing it out, not out of my passions. So I got expelled by university <laughs> just because spending time too many things in the entertainment industries, right? They, so the university kicked you out, kicked out. because? Because I didn't study and I was just mucking around with wow. studies. So, so sorry wow. to disappoint you, audience. And um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, might not the guy that you That's were right. you were wish for. It makes the story cool. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I got I got expelled, man. And I remember coming back to Indonesia, and I thought, Dad, this is it. My dad was gonna call, call me home. I'm gonna go home. This is the last flight I'm gonna take from Australia. I remember I was trembling because I was really scared. My dad was a very angry person back then. Now he's changed, right? I'm very close with him. Um, coming back to Indonesia, I remember I clear out in my room. Like when I arrive, I clear out every heart heart pieces that I have in my room so he cannot throw me. So he can't throw me uh, heart items, wow. you know? Yeah. I remember just putting pillows and everything and everything. My laptop's all cleared out. So I know, she, I thought he was gonna yeah, just yeah. hit me. Yeah. So he came back home and I, uh, he came to my room as my predicted as, as my predictions and he said i know what happened he said and i said i gotta talk to you so he went inside but then something different happened there my dad suddenly said um, uh, i want to say sorry to you it blew my mind i wasn't ready for that bro so i was ready that for him to get angry throw stuff to me and say that this is that's it you're not going anywhere you just stay in Indonesia. forget it screw your career you you want to become uh, you don't want to become successful so be it come back home i thought that was it i was ready for that but i wasn't ready for this the first statement he came out from his mouth was i'm sorry wow. uh, dad daddy wanted to say sorry to you i said why and he said yeah because maybe it's been too long I've been trying to shove my dream into yours. Maybe this is not you. Mm. And I, I try to understand you as my son. Mm. 
whatever you want to do now, I will support you. I cried, bro. I couldn't stand that kind of thing. And I actually literally back on his feet saying that, Daddy, I'm so sorry. Let me give me a chance to change. That's what the, the beginning of my change. Yeah. That's why I ended up chasing uh, my dreams. I started to find my dreams and God is good because um, I didn't know. I thought I was so artsy. I'm a very art person, a musician. I compose music, I write scripts and that's my passion. I direct movies. and But then at the end, I didn't know that God has a different plan and he actually planned for me to become an entrepreneur and to become the tra trainer of entrepreneur now. I never really thought about that. And then my first step then, but again, uh, a lot of work need to be done. I was so raw, again, because I screw up a lot of the, my time. So I have to pay it back. I have to revamp my, my, you know, strengthen my skills and all that out after school because I didn't do it during my school period. So I have to do it after that. So um, a lot of years that I spent on hustling outside in the marketplace just to get me myself ready. And that's when I got my, the first opportunity when I finished uni, my dad asked me like, hey, uh, now you, you're done. You want to come back to Indonesia? Help me run as a professional or you want to become the CEO of this company or whatever? Mm -hmm. Or do you want to do business? And I asked him a simple question. Daddy, if, um, so two options, professionals or, or entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. My dad says there's nothing wrong with both of them. You can become a good businessman, but you also can become a really good CEO or professional in the business. Mm -hmm. So I asked him, okay, dad, you're, since you're the CEO of this mega company, how long do I need to, 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 to and how long does it take for me to take your seats? <laughs> Very So you want to be in the business. I, and I asked him if yeah. I, I, if, if I, I was making my choices, you know, yeah. I was making my choice. Uh, and then I said, how long do I need to, to take your seats? And he said, probably 20 years to 25 years. That if you are doing well and that already, I help you. Many years, oh my gosh, that's a long time. What business is your father doing? Chemical. He's, he's the CEO of Akar Corporindo. Uh, it's um, chemical logistics, so they build logistics and infrastructures. Mm. Um, they're now building 3,000 hectares in southeast uh, Java, on top of Surabaya in Grisik, is including ports. They have their own ports, jetty, and then the terminal, even power plant, and all that. 3,000 hectares of uh, just ports and you know, um, they call it integrated um, commercial, what do you call it, warehousing estate, something like that, yeah. Mm -hmm. And they do uh, trading petroleum as well. So they, they they bring in petroleum, I think they're in partnership with BP. So they, they bring in fuel for Indonesia. Yeah. Mm, okay, okay. I thought I was going to be okay. And then I said, not 20 years too long, daddy. So uh, let me just try the other one. <laughs> I want to become a businessman. I said, okay. And then, he, and then opportunity came. That cafe, small cafe, it's very small cafe, probably 18 square meters size. Are we talking about in in Australia? In or Australia. Was this, this was here, okay. It was in Australia. Sure. So um, Crown Cafe came out, the opportunity came out. My dad gave me the set, seed funding. So I he invested in that and 50-50 with my other friend, my other partner, Randy. So we both uh, do it. And then, yeah, and that was my first business. So it's a small cafe. And again, this is the thing, a lot of the... I think the young kids and the young entrepreneurs didn't realize that you got to really work hard for it. And it doesn't, everything doesn't come cheap, right? And that was the beginning of it. Uh, the, that was the beginning where my eyes was open. Uh, the reality is, is different. Apparently to achieve your success, it requires you to work hard. In Navanti Holdings, we don't just believe in working smart. A lot of people say, oh, nowadays you got to work smart. 
to me, no, that's not right. In Avanti, at least for us, we believe in working smart, but work hard. So we work hard. We work smart. I tell all my directors, all my managers, get your hands dirty. Get your hands dirty. Because that's servant leadership. There's a value that we really believe in servant leadership as well. Um, being, if you truly believe in servant leadership, meaning you are ready to become a servant, even though you are a leader. Yeah, you're ready to service people. And you, if you service people, look what happened. Your hand touched the water, your hand gets gets as much and all that. You need to get your hands dirty if you're ready to serve. You know? yeah. So that's the beginning of the, my journey. So, and, and, then, and that was the beginning of my training ground before I'm here now. Um, yeah. yeah. What was the biggest learning lesson for you in your first couple of restaurants? Because I know you did a lot of food and beverage, right? And in that industry, there's a lot of things that, that you can apply today in your current businesses. What was the biggest takeaway for you? <laughs> the first lesson would be business is not easy. Um, business come at a cost and business is real. So when, uh, when you build a business, I... If I can turn back time, a lot of people ask me, Ivan, if you can turn back time, because I've been through so much joke, so much. It's almost like what's happening in the movie, you know? Those are the things that people don't experience. I, I got chased by people. I got, oh, just so many things here. You can listen yeah. to my story. But, but then um, people ask me, if you can turn back time, what would you do? And I thought one of them is that find a good mentor and listen to him. There's no... There's no use of you finding a mentor if you don't listen to him. So I always say, find a mentor, that's one, but it comes with the other one. Listen to, to him, listen to him or her. Listen to them because you, you need a mentor. Back then probably because I was lacking of wanting to be taught. Um, that means I ignore having a mentor. Probably there were mentors around me, not like the today's climate where you get mentorship everywhere. Mentorship is a, it's a sexy thing these days, right? So even like we built 11 Space because I want to create an incubator where we can mentor and churn up startups. That's what we do. We want to help startup SME to get into the business, get into the market. We mentor them. We teach them A, B, C, D, one, two, three, four, five. Back then it wasn't like that. It wasn't so intentional. So the, the challenge for me, whether, whether I want to have a mentor, whether I realize that I need a mentor, but if I can tell the new generation, you need to find a mentor. Find a mentor, find someone who, has, who is experienced, who knows, uh, who have the understanding of the things that you want to do. Yeah. And, um, and yeah, but, and listen to them. So back then, I, the mistakes, looking back, the mistakes that I made mostly were too harsh. Uh, the, the decision that I made was too quickly, no calculations, no projections. Uh, a lot of people are doing it by instinct. And yeah, instinct is right, but you got to do your DD as well. And doing DD, the right DD is, well, what is that? How, how to do the right DD? You know, back then, okay, I, I bought a restaurant, the Crown Cafe, looks like a good deal for a price, but uh, good deals only come on a value if the value is right. Well, when the, the, the cafe that, I, that we bought was quite cheap, Joel. But whether that's worth the value, you don't know. And how would I know if I don't know how to do a DD, a proper DD and valuations? So back then I thought, oh, I just look at the, I sit there for a few hours looking, oh, it's quite busy. A lot of people buy uh, the food. I sit there go for with a week. The floor, pretty much. I go to the floor and I thought, oh, this is quite busy. Then that's how I test whether they are a good business or not. And I look at the sandwich. I try to buy the sandwich. Oh, it tastes good. And I thought just by tasting the product, sitting there looking at the traffic is okay. I thought it was good. Yeah, more, more than that in acquiring business. Nowadays, you, you do a lot more. 
So I, yeah, and then, then the mistake is that I made years after that when I start having few restaurants. I start having three restaurants. Uh, Korean, uh, we acquire shares of the original kimchi barbecues and then I own another one uh, standalone in Burke Street, two level restaurants, uh, kimchi barbecue again. And then in Melbourne Central, we opened a franchise concept, Korean fast food kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Back then, was a pro- nobody had done it yet. And um, yeah, and then um, uh, the biggest mis- one of the biggest mistakes was I made was uh, miscalculation, or if, if not, very minimal calculation was made. On the projections, when I venture out, say, when we before we went to Melbourne Central and opened my franchise concept, I didn't even know dealing with shopping malls, and I didn't even know whether this rent is too high and what is considered to be a fair rent uh, for for a retail you know in how a to food negotiate court. Pretty much, not just how to negotiate. I thought I can make it. You know, now on top of my head, I, I straight away know that's way too expensive. I was paying a hundred and twenty thousand plus outgoing, I think, back then, mm. for a stall food court in a food court, and this is like fifteen years ago. Wow. A stall in a food court in Melbourne Central, whom I didn't even know what kind of traffic they can bring. I just believe in the sales manager, sales the salesperson will say, "Oh, don't worry, the traffic is amazing for people from RMIT from here. Oh, this is the biggest, uh, the most busy, the busiest um, food court in the whole Melbourne CBD and all that thing." I paid the same rate um, in Burke Street for a two-level restaurant, mm. two-level restaurant, two kitchens, fit more than a hundred table, a hundred people, sorry, not table, and trade for 24 hours. Because I it's a standalone on off the street in Melbourne Central. Yeah. It was like back then they still close at six, except Friday. Wow. And I paid that. That's a silly mistakes, you know. Yeah. Um, and that's the beginning of everything. And then that pulled me down. That business pulled me down. And I went to liquidations because of that. And I lost the rest of my restaurants. Well, I, kept, I kept one. I sold the other shares. I kept one, the one in Burke Streets. I closed the one in Melbourne Central. That one went, to, went down the drain. Yeah. Um, but I kept the, this restaurant just as a cow for me to pay back my debt. Sure. So I was paying my debt the next two to three years mm. because I owe people money. And that's the reality, it was tough. And what's the, what was, was your strategy to get out of that situation? Did you automatically start a new business? Did you get a job? Did you, ask, did you have to ask your parents for cash or? Everything, so I hustle. Yeah. So that's how you hustle, right? So pretty much that's why I kept my restaurant for, for a little bit, the one in Burke Street. So at least I get income and I can get to pay back my debt. But once it's all done, I sold the restaurant and that's it. Um, um, my parents helped me a little bit and I tried to find other incomes. I tried to find other source of side gig and all that stuff. I was completely hustling. Next time I'll tell you stories about how I hustle and get the restaurants. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, yeah. that's I'll, also a hustle. I know, yeah. some, I know some stories. How to get that restaurant yeah. is also a hustle. But, yeah. Then, yeah. but then yeah, I re, once it's all done, Dusted, so I restarted. I restarted myself uh, about 13, 14 years ago. That's when the beginning of this empire, okay. the beginning of this, and 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 I restarted, not just with the new venture, but with the new me. Sure, I've, I I almost see myself like I graduated that moment. So I 
finished another school, which is a street school from the street, right? You know, from the marketplace. And I finished because I was trained uh, quite intensely by my ex, my own experience, by the mistakes that I made, by being chased by people, the stress. Oh my God, I got my, my restaurant was in, in Melbourne Central, in the food court, they, could, they put hoarding before. Imagine the stress coming to your restaurant, to your stall in the morning, it's being hoarded. 360 degrees and the whole food court laugh at you, looking at you and, oh, look what happened. This guy cannot pay rent. And I have to beg in front of the, build, uh, the property manager who managed me in, in Melbourne Center. I literally beg, you know, please, please. It's just, oh my gosh. Jewel, uh, it's crazy. So. I can imagine. I'm sure. I'm sure. So when was the, what was the, what was the turning point for you that made you want to start Navanti and venture onto different industries and, and Yeah. Make I'm, businesses I'm, that work. Yeah, I'm always, I'm always a hustler, right? Mm. I hustle, and that's that's probably one of my key uh, uh, expertise. Mm. So keep a key, uh, what do you call it? Uh, one of my key secret of success is because I I don't give up. I just hustle, hustle, hustle. Whatever I do, from whatever, from the thing that I don't have, I I hustle it so that it can become something, right? Um, back then, I, I knew that I have to do something. I can't go back to Indonesia and. You know, I don't want to disappoint my dad further. You know, my, my, in my school days, I didn't really make him proud. In my business day, I didn't really make him proud. And I thought, no, um, I, I really need to try again. And back then I saw opportunities and I saw like, uh, okay, what else? What? Because I was asking myself, what can I, other businesses can I do now? And now with, with the conditions, with no capital. Because <laughs> the you rest of no the money, money. I have yeah. no money. Yeah, I have no money. The only the only thing that I have is uh, me, my, my my whatever I have in myself. Of course, I I have God, and I have Junius. <laughs> he was a, he was my best friend. Yeah. Uh, he was Very like my to you, he was huh? like my brother. He was my yeah. little brother. There's another whole story about Junius, and he was helping me in the restaurant. Right, he, we cried together. We locked the door together when I sold the business. When we experienced bankruptcy, he was there. He was just working for me back then. He was in uni, right? But after uni, he caught me by surprise. As I built my my own ventures, I don't know why. Probably got whispered to him. He suddenly said he just want to follow me. I said, "Oh my gosh, are you serious, June? June? I can't pay you. I can't pay you. I'm, I'm pretty much don't have anything. We just starting." I said, "It's okay, Cole. You know, he's genius. He he graduated double degree and uh, with cum laude and dean's list and all that stuff. Uh, he can get the job anywhere." But he said, "No, no, Bob, bro, I, I'll follow you." I said, "Oh, that got my heart broken, really." And but look at where we are now. So look at where he is now. Mm. It's amazing. I think it's all from the guy up there. So, yeah, back then, um, how I restarted, Joel, um, I need to find something that doesn't require much money. So I thought, I saw the opportunity. I think my eyes is quite sensitive to opportunities. And I saw a lot of the, uh, I think the Asian money is looking for a place, a safe place to, to stay or mm -hmm. to, to, to reside. Yeah. And I thought Australia is perfect. And I want to create a one-stop solutions an easy, almost like an easy landing pad for this money to land in, to Australia. I provide that house 
we service our investors. We create a one-to-end one investment house in, into properties, obviously. And I got my network from, you know, my family. I look into what, what I have in my hand. I got my dad as well, my, my uncle, and who's very well-networked. Yes. I thought, okay, let's approach all their friends yeah. and get them to Australia and give this service because I know they're, they're, this wealth, this money, little huge amount of wealth from Asia who's looking for opportunities. So we provide just that. And just within short period of moment, I remember restarting this with Cobris, yeah, you know Cobris, I'm a business, long time business partner. He was also hustling back then and I proposed this business and he said, oh, would you come on board with this venture? And suddenly within a week, I think he, he, he mentioned, it, oh, bro, I'm, I come on board. Let's do this. Let's build the company. We build the company. We came up with the name. Both of us, because I keep mentioning about Synergy, Synergy. I said, why don't we name it Synergy with an X? Because we are Generation X. And I keep saying Synergy. I believe in Synergy, working with people. I said, oh, okay. Both of us in my apartments. That's how we started from my yeah. apartments. No money, no capital. We start from the apartment, mm -hmm. just come with a concept, build the surface platform, and, build it. and we took up the license. And that's it. But it works. Perfect timing. Thank God, perfect um, yeah. solutions. Within months or half a year, we start to have our own office in Chinatown, really small one, and then from there it grows. And now, looking back 13 years, I think we've moved, yeah, Joel, more than half a billion cash yeah. worth of money from Indonesia itself. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's why Synergy is so popular amongst the Indonesian community. Yeah. That's, that's the beauty. And then now we start having, and from there, my entrepreneurship, my entrepreneurial mindset, keep mm -hmm. thinking what else we can do, how can we expand? Then slowly, slowly, instead of we investing in other infrastructure, other people development, then we start develop our own townhouse. Instead mm -hmm. of they investing in other people development, they invest in our development. And then we build our asset management, we start managing asset. Now we manage 3, 000, close to 3,000 properties all across Victoria. We have eight offices in uh, just Synergy itself. And just everything and nonstop, we now built all the supporting businesses, the captive businesses all around it. Like I'm home, you know, yeah, all the yeah, yeah. furniture, property styling, and then renovation. And then we do the flooring, we import from Germany. Mm -hmm. Just about everything, yeah. cleaning service. Yeah, so Synergy pretty much was the um was the 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 one the, the cash cow, I guess, in terms of building everything, putting um, everything together. Yeah, that's the model that I yeah. use. And the model that I used to train people, because you know, in 11 Space, we train a lot of entrepreneurs. Um, every training that we make, uh, we build in this house, that we deliver, it's based on our own experience, on the real, on the real, on a real story. And it, it's a tested uh, model as well. So one of the strongest models that I, I believe is that you need to focus on building your cash cows. Once your cash cows is up and running, then you can build all the supporting business, the captive business all around it. Yeah. And then, by then, when it's all done, then you can venture out to build another cash cows and build supporting business. Like we 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 invest in diversified industries now, not just property. Initially, we just property, but now I'm in manufacturing. We own manufacturing. We we are in partnership with one of the oldest brand in Australia. We have a factory uh, in Indonesia and our partners in uh, in Melbourne in uh, Reservoir. Um, but once that become a cash cow, then we build. Okay, what other FNBs or manufacturing? business that we can do all around it. And we start having service business. Then we start starting investing in IT startup. We invest in startup like, um, we invest in a few, but one of the most successful was Icondo. 
Yeah. Invest them in seed fund. Now they're on Series A. They're worth 35 million after just three and three years and all that. Mm-hmm. Now we go, we're going to help them to go to Series B. That's going to be 150, 200 million valuation. Yeah. So that's really exciting. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I noticed that um, Julius and um, Cole Bruce are very involved on the synergy side of the operations. But I noticed with you, it's always it's about you know managing multiple uh, ventures. So why was it important for you to take that role? It's my vision. Yeah. The vision of Navanti is is that you know we want to become a multinational holding company investing in diversified in the businesses. Our why or the, the the passion behind the business is we want to help people people, oh not just help but we want to give opportunity to people to find their dream and their purpose. Through that business. is my biggest joy through business through entrepreneurships, even like Bruce, even like Junius, you know. I know back then I was no one, but it was a vision that I cast. And then a guy like Bruce and Junius who know how to execute it, boom, it becomes big. So now I keep seeing a lot of these businesses all around us. We have probably, I don't know, uh, quite a lot. I don't want to say it here, but most of the business have the similar story. These are people, ordinary people. They find opportunity to find a bigger dream and find their purpose through us. Mm-hmm. So now they become successful businessmen, successful venture on its own. Yeah. So that's what really fired me up. And right from the beginning, I've told Cobrus already, Cobrus, and because yeah, you know, I, I need you, you're a great operator, I know you're executor, just like Junius, I said, but you know my role, I'm gonna step inside, I'm gonna focus a lot on my holdings. And he said, that's why I want you to become the MD, even though we're, We started together. I said, Bruce, I think you need to become the CEO. Like in the development juniors, I think you need to become the CEO. So I never take CEO roles in the subsidiary company that we have Mm -hmm. because they are the main player. I'm the supporting player and I will grow the business. I cast vision all the time. I grow the business. I'm still involved in the synergy and the property side of the business as the business development director. So I develop, I expand, I build more network and thinking ahead, what should we do else? What next? That's that's really a good synergy between the three of us. Yeah, yeah. And I noticed with you, Ko, you, you you like helping the next generation of business owners, and you want to mentor and you want to help. Why do you think that's important? Well, number one, I think that passion was built because of my own experience. I don't want them to experience what I've been through. You know, Fail, failures or mistakes is ought to be made. You got to make mistakes somewhere in there, but you don't want to make stupid mistakes or the mistakes that other people have done. So if I already made so much mistakes, I want to help them so they don't have to go through what I went through. So they can start somewhere where at least you make new mistakes. You make the mistakes that I made. At least if you make new mistakes, you are up in the standard. That's why we built 11 Space. You know the, the whole story of 11, why, why we name it 11 Space? <laughs> Because... This is the, when I started 11 Space, it's an incubator for startup, which we established on the 11th year, Navanti Holding investing in diversified businesses. So throughout the journey of Navanti Holdings, it was our 11th year. So the whole idea is that if you, you can join us, all the new startups or entrepreneurs, they can join us from at the 11th Space because we have done one to 10. Because I've done, you know, 
the, the first one, yeah. the highest, the one to ten, yeah. you know, the one to ten involve making mistakes, silly mistake, dumb mistake, yeah. almost getting killed, <laughs> yeah. and all that stuff. But God, don't you ever think that maybe starting from the from level eleven, <laughs> don't you think it's better to go to the one to ten first? Do you feel like if you spoon feed these youngsters so much that you might make them soft entrepreneurs and it might hurt them in the long term? We don't want to spoon feed them, yeah, but we want to guide them, yeah. Even if you're starting. At one, you can start on the level of the environment of elevens, mm. meaning you still have to do the, the your 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 one in a way. In a way, you need to do it from the start. It's not as if like you you inherited if you are a son of a multi billionaire company and suddenly you you started suddenly a billionaire. It's not like that. But what I meant by starting at the 11 is that you have someone who will guide you. Don't make mistakes like all these people who are starting making silly mistakes. Like, oh, okay, that rent looks expensive, but I think we can do it. Let's just go ahead and do stupid mistakes like that. Some know? dumb stuff. Okay, let's yeah. cut a deal or someone offer me this. Okay, sign the contract. Oh, personal guarantee. Ah, it's okay. Personal guarantee. Uh, a lot of me say, oh, I want to buy this. want to buy that. Negotiation. There are a lot of aspects that we can be there so that even though they're going through that, they're going through it with us. So they don't have to make that mistakes that we made on the first 10 years. Mm, mm. Yeah. When you look for an entrepreneur who is teachable and someone that oh. need, like what are the characteristics that you look for? Oh. Like in a person to know that this, this one might have some, might, he might make it, that person might have a chance or this guy is, forget it, go get a job. What, what are the things that, that stand out to you? I got these questions quite often. And especially, normally they phrase it different from you. They ask me like, Ivan, if you're investing, what kind of founder you you you're looking sure. for? Mm-hmm. Same thing. And you mentioned it with your own word just now, Joel. Mm-hmm. Number for my number one, exactly what you said has to be teachable. Mm-hmm. Because um, you've encountered, I, I've encountered a lot of smart people, but if they're not teachable, they're stuck on themselves. They're stuck on their that standard. Which is a lot. They're of not going to grow. Yeah, they're a lot of people. So from for us, number one, it has to be teachable. Because we here portray ourselves as a mentor. We, our role is being a mentor. We want to expand you. We want to grow you. If you don't listen again, like I mentioned earlier, if you have a mentor, what's the point of having a mentor if you don't listen to them? So for me, being teachable is number one. Number two, I think uh, they have to have a, some sort of, um, if this is talking just purely on the entrepreneurship, as you, we mentioned earlier, just get a job. So for people to become a businessman, I think you have to have a commercial sense. It's so important because some people, it's not just like that. Just very technical, very skillful. Just work for someone in a specific department. You mean experience? Not just that. It's um, apa ya? Bahasa Indonesia nalar lot of business. It's an in- instinct, like a business instinct, like a commercial sense. How? Just business uh, savvy, business acumen. Not just business acumen. How do I say? Okay, a lot of the technology founders, technology startup founder, they are geek, they are smart, they are genius in the technology, but they know don't have any business sense at all. They don't know how to monetize it. They don't know how to think commercially. They don't know how to read risk and all that. They don't know how to see whether this is a good deal or bad deals and all that stuff. And that's, I think, instinctively, yes, you can learn, but you got to see whether you have that seed in you. I think that's very important. And whether they want, they can grow that seed to become, you know, a savvy businessman, as you said. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think those two are very important. Yeah. Sure, sure. And just uh, just in terms of um, the business landscape in Australia, go. Where do you feel like it's heading? Because if you ask me, I feel like, you know, 
in Australia, it's so comfortable to be a to be a staff. You can work nine to five. Yeah, it sucks, but you get paid all right in this country. You, you get enough money to go on holiday. You know, you know, two weeks a year. I'm pretty. You can buy a Rolex after a couple of years too. A lot of people don't want to start businesses. You know what I mean? Do you feel like that is going to um, that might discourage people from starting businesses or from venturing out? It's a very valid statement that you made. Mm. Australia is very comfortable. You know, yeah. the government is, is pretty awesome, right? I know. Whereas in Indonesia, like, you can't be a staff, right? You can't. Like, if you want to be rich, you got to own. Well, yeah. In Australia, you can live very, very comfortably being a staff. And the government support on mm. the health and I think JobKeeper is a good school, example of that. Yeah. JobKeeper and all that. Yeah, you're right. They can own Rolex and everything. Well, I guess... Um, well, the market in Australia and the de demographic of entrepreneurship in Australia is still very, very behind in comparisons to Americans, in yeah, there, you know, sure. and people in like Singapore, in Hong Kong, they're all very entrepreneurial. Um, I think it's, it gets better. I think people like us and people like now, if you notice now, universities started to have uh, accelerator. Back then, there is no accelerator. The whole idea is to introduce to introduce the public and to to you know incentivize the public that hey, come on, start your own business, because you, you know SMEs is actually the the main GDP producer of a of, of a country. Mm -hmm. In Australia, I think it was like more than ninety five percent or ninety percent GDP came. Uh, don't quote me, but I, I remember though I saw these stats before coming into my table. It was something like ninety percent the GDP was coming in from SMEs. Mm. Yeah, so uh, SMEs meaning like accountant, a tradies, a company who run cleaning service and stuff like that. So SMEs is a crucial uh, departments within the economy itself. And Australia, if they we we understand that and we want to focus in that. That's why we want to push. Now they have a lot of government grants coming in for new businesses, for startups and all that stuff. Universities starting to push, come on, do uh, free. This accelerator is free, but you just need to join. There are more and more competition. I was just being, I was just called being a judge last year uh, in the panel as part of just panel with the city of Melbourne. They run a innovation startup competition and all that. Now this thing is happening because of that very reason, Joe. They, they want to induce people to, to be aware, like, come on, start a business, like, like start, start a business, build, 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 build a business. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I see it will change. I think it will, it will be there. I think there are more and more people are aware about this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think um, business, there is a lot of challenges that you don't actually know until you actually do it, right? Yeah. Um, like when I was working at Nando's for my parents, it's very established. All the systems are there. So it's just for me to pretty much learn. But when I started James and Brothers and you know, all my, all these projects, like, um, I start to realize that there's a lot of things that, that I overlooked, you know, no matter how experienced I was. Now, what do you feel like is the biggest problem with young business owners today? What do you feel? Because like, let's be honest, the majority of them don't work out or they, they fail or whatever, which is normal. But why do you think that is? Yeah. I think sometimes we, we give up too early. Yeah, that's why I mentioned earlier. I think one of my strongest traits is I, I don't give up. I'm hard-headed, stubborn, and I'm, I'm a hustler. So I think that nowadays, because of again the landscape, are very comfortable in Australia. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of safety net and all that. So people just 
give up too easily. And probably uh, if I can say this word, uh, we become more and uh, more spoiled, spoiled bread. Mm. Because, oh, okay, yeah, I got cut. Back then, <laughs> just grab a tissue, wrap it up, just do it again, you know? But now oh, I got cut, oh, it's dangerous. Okay, maybe that that's one of the main killer because you might not successful from your first 10 business, but your 11 might be. Mm. Your, your, the first business might not be successful, but your third might be. So it depends really. You have to, of course, obviously you have to keep making uh, calculative risk, but then you have to take the risk. Yeah. And that's so important, I think. Um, that's very important for young entrepreneurs. And to be serious, to be focused in what they didn't want to do once you already you know, really focus when I do this, throw everything in. Don't just half put your feet mm -hmm. in one water and just plunge into the water and swim. And you just keep doing it. Yeah. Mm. I know you work with a lot of um, international students as well. Oh, that's um, yeah. yeah. yeah that's, I mean, relevant to the spoiled, being spoiled. Yeah, so yeah. That's a, a, even a bigger issue. Yeah. yeah. And I know that you, there is a lot of traffic for Indonesians in the 11 space and, yeah. and stuff like that. Like what's the, ch what are the challenges that you find trying to, to educate them? Because I understand that they're in a country that's not their first language. This is we're, we're, they're in an economic scene that they're not quite familiar with. What's the biggest challenge that you have with trying to educate them and trying to show them the way of business here and to be successful? I guess number one, we need to change their paradigm and eliminate the, the, the fear. Mm. You know, the, the thought of fear in their head, like, ah, this is like foreign country. I'm not going to be successful. This is too hard. This other people country. I don't have anyone here and, and all that stuff, right? So they half ass it, you feel? Yeah. Because uh, back then when I uh, started my business, I wanted to stay in Australia and do business. A lot of people from Indonesia was telling me, what are you doing there? Just come home. You're not going to be successful. It's hard making business in Australia. You're not going to be able to do anything in Australia. Come home. All these noises, yeah. you know, if I, again, if I, uh, if I can't get rid of that fear out of their head and then that, that's just it. And then they become, you know, they just try, but they don't really try. Mm. Again, it is all related, Joel, those comfort zone that they have. Okay. Even if I don't do it here in, in Indo, back then, a lot of international students are coming from a well-off family yeah. and I can come back home to my daddy's lab anyway, anytime, it's right? He's got a business and yeah. maybe I just continue that and all that, you know, but for those who wants to stay here and build something, number one, they need to believe that they can do it. And I hope we have become the inspirations because we've done it. Um, you know, we went against the flow. A lot of people said that, especially it was harder 15 years or 20 years ago when I started here in Australia, even worse, even harder than, the, than today's climate. Um, but then once you do that, then yeah, get them to believe. And then obviously get them to understand the forest, get them to understand this is a different jungle. This is not Indonesia. This is how you do things here in Australia. So, mm -hmm. And that comes all the skill sets and all the, you know, yeah. understanding and knowledge about it. Yeah. One thing that I never liked though, but I noticed was a, you know, was a common thing was a lot of Indonesians. Um, sometimes my family, my relatives, or just people, they always tell me, Australia is a tough place to do business. You could, yeah. you could be doing the same thing in Indonesia and you would succeed. You know, Australia is just hard. The economy is not good. You know, the, you know, the buyer, the consumer behavior here is different. And for me, I always just feel like, I don't think that's the case. I feel like 
you can succeed anywhere, you know. You just got to try. You just got to get out of the mindset of, you know, this is a different place, so it's not going to work. Um, yeah. But, yeah. Yeah, that's... um. It's a very difficult statement to hear because if we're going to, especially like you, you mentioned earlier, yeah. Joe, you're just starting. Yeah. And then if you hear the, this kind of noise, yeah. <laughs> I remember yeah. back then it was like, oh my God, you just put yeah. up the fire. <laughs> yeah. but for me, I, I, I use that as motivation because I'm going to make it work. And I'm going to go back to this guy and say, I did it. You know what I mean? <laughs> I can. <laughs> I mean, a lot of people in Indonesia, well, I, I don't here, put it this way. I don't blame them because in Indonesia, the, mar the market is huge. Mm -hmm. 267 million populations. Mm -hmm. You imagine this. Anything that you build, you throw it to the market, someone will absorb it. Someone will take it. <laughs> someone will take it. Someone will take it. It's too big. Mm -hmm. That's why you can have the same shop here again, the same, like, you know, Kedai Warung Warung. Yeah. So many places because they serve their own markets and it's huge. Uh, number two, I think especially back then during my time uh, Indonesia, it's all about connection. Sometimes you don't have to be too savvy in what you're doing. Your business, your product must, doesn't have to be the A plus product. As long as you have the connection, yeah. you play the back door, you do the back door. Um, that's it. <laughs> so it's like magic, you know? Yeah. But what I noticed in Indonesia, a lot of businesses and industries compete on price, isn't it? Because of the population, because of the competition, right? So isn't that itself also a negative thing? And then in terms of that, when you if you once you compete on costs, yeah. the quality starts to you know it becomes inferior. You end up having an inferior product. That's right. Yeah. So I guess that's a trade off, don't you think? That's the experience where and about nine years ago we went to Indonesian market with uh, our manufacturing. Because the product that, that my business partner uh, and, uh, own is, is a high-end, well, Indonesian at least sees, sees it as a high-end. So it doesn't suit the market. So if we even have a built, we even have to build a special range just for Indonesian market. Mm -hmm. We trundle everything, trundle meaning you rip off everything, you don't yeah. need this kind of thing, you don't need that safety plug, <laughs> forget about safety and all that kind of stuff. No, no, our product is still safe, right? So we still comply to the Australian standard, it's very high. Um, but then we took out everything. We used a cheaper material. We cut these edges. We don't use that lake. You know, this is talking about commercial kitchen appliances, and and because of the market, they are on a price war. They don't they don't care about quality as long as it's cheap. I I'm gonna use it. But I, I think again, it's depending on the market, Joel. If you come into a market like that, you came in with Bentley. If they're not ready, nobody's gonna use it. You know. Yeah. Um, so we have to adjust to the market as well at the same time. But slowly then you can educate the market because I think in every market, there'll be people who will appreciate mm -hmm. this kind of thing. And then you will appreciate quality rather than just cheap, cheap, cheap. But this is quality. We're talking about quality. Mm -hmm. Yeah, awesome, awesome. Well, you know, it's starting to get late now, so I'll try to wrap this up, Go. But can you please try to summarize what's the objective here at 11 Space? What are you trying to do here? So in the 11 space, we want to become the catalyst to help entrepreneur to start or to initiate their dream, to reach their dream. And um, we, we want to become their mentor. We want to be helping hands. Um, I hope through my incubator, which is in Jakarta and in, and in Melbourne, they can find everything that, that they required to build a successful business. I even use analogy as this space is like a business farm. So a farm to have a, a good harvest, a good crop, you need the good seed, which is the entrepreneur. Uh, 
But then that good seed needs a good soil, it needs a good water irrigation, it needs a good sunlight, it needs the fertilizer, it needs the people who work, it needs the farmer, blah, 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 all the tools. And I hope that at the 11th space, we have managed to provide every single thing that the seed needs for them to grow and to become a good harvest. And we all can enjoy together. Awesome, awesome, awesome. And what's your last piece of advice for, like you said, young people who are looking for a mentor? Well, come to 11 Space. <laughs> Look for a mentor. We're here ready. Uh, reach out to our Instagram at 11 Space or myself, Ivan Tandio, right? Um, I hope you put a link. Just joking, bro. Um, yeah. Well, I think find a, a mentor. Find a mentor that's so important and uh, listen. Be teachable because uh, no matter in what stage you are, you can always grow to the next level. And you can only evolve and change and grow to the next level if you have ear to hear and a heart who listens. It's so important because not just your ear, but if you don't use your heart, your heart is not open, forget it. Just find a mentor and then listen to them. Yeah. Awesome, awesome. And you know what, while you're still here, I, I mentioned this to juniors, I'll bring it up with you too. Do you know people like Ty Lopez, Dan Locke, and all these yeah. online entrepreneurs? Yes. What differentiates, how, okay, so how do, <laughs> how do young people, instead of finding these fake entrepreneurs who are selling courses, how do you get them to find legitimate mentors? Yeah, well, I don't want to mention brands, but you hear, <laughs> okay, anyway. Um, but I mentioned it to you earlier, Joel. Every program that we do here is based on real story. That's one of the value that we have in the, within 11 space, that every time we curate a program, it has to come and reflect back to the real story that we've been through. So it's a real thing. And with us, we, we're not just a coach, but we are a coach who uh, swam for the Olympics. We've already done it. We've done what we're saying. We, we teach what we have done. And now we've been through so many mistakes and failures and we, uh, the experience that mind-boggling that sometimes only happen in, in, the, in the movies, but we went through it for a reason. And that's a blessing in disguise. So I can use that as a model and as a, you know, so that the, the, the program that we do, the experience that they get as an entrepreneur within this space is real, as real as it can get, you know. And until today, I'm still operating my business. Like, you know, it's not like oh, I've worked for IBM before and I don't work anymore, you know. Until today, we're still a businessman. We still run our business and we're investing in these people as well. And I build this community for us to be able one day, these startups can collaborate with us or work together, become our partners, or we invest in them or things like that, you know. Mm. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time, Ko. Really appreciate it. It has to be it. real, Jill. It yeah, has to yeah. be real. Yeah. 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 All right, man. I'll catch you at the next one. Thank awesome. you. Thanks. Thank you for having me. Thank, thank you. you. Thanks, Jill.